0: with you. think? Hey, and welcome back to all of you, CWS listeners. I just want to take the time to say thank you for continuing to tune in. And um, whether you've tuned in through YouTube, TuneIn Radio, uh, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, um, just want to encourage you just to keep the engagement going um, and remind you that we also do have a Facebook page called Conversations with Selwyn where you can engage in conversation there. I also like to post Anything pertaining to faith, family, music, fitness, and productivity um, on that page from time to time. So I encourage you guys to to go on there and engage right there as well. Um, today's episode will be a recording of a early morning devotion I did for a a partner ministry who has been a guest here on the podcast. And um, it was on the topic of love. Love. Uh, One of the most misunderstood and misrepresented words that we could ever say today. Um, And also, as we start to go into um, a discussion on love and what the Bible has to say about love, we begin to see that love is not just a word, it's not just a feeling, it's not just an emotion. Love has an identity. That identity is God. God is love. Once you give love an identity and a name, it makes you think about love so much differently. Check out the morning's devotion. Yeah, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'd also be looking at the book of 1 John chapter 4 and 1 John chapter 5. And we don't have to explore those whole chapters, but there's a few things that I wanted to draw attention to. Um, If you've been paying attention to the news, you'll you'll understand that one key word has come back around to the forefront. And that is the word love. That is the word love. And forgive me if you've heard this passage of scripture preached upon um, before or discussed in Bible study, but I believe that if we as the body of Christ have a clear understanding of not only the meaning of the word love, but also the identity of the word or the person of love, um, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, firstly. If we have a clear understanding of of what love is and who love is, it will empower us in every phase of our lives. So if you would, let us let us read together on first Corinthians chapter 13. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself it's not puffed up it does not behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked and thinks no evil it does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth it bears all things believes all things hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. Verse 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Verse 13 concludes, he says, and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Um, I, I love this passage of Scripture because for me personally, it, it opens up the identity of love. It opens up the purity of love. And I don't know about you, but in today's world, Reading this definition and matching it to what we see around us, there is a clear difference between what heaven says love is and what is currently being practiced in the world today. Um, love has been seriously misidentified and so has the word of God been misquoted and misunderstood and I want to draw your attention to just a few things here in verses 1 and 2 as it pertains to being spiritual and having the gifts of the Spirit. And love here in verses 1 and 2 is shown as the source and the motivating spirit behind every expression of spiritual gifting. Um, you could be Deep in God and and have the gift of prophecy and be able to to see things before they happen or maybe you have the gift of discernment and dream. But without love, motivating and fueling and and, and pushing that gift, it becomes fruitless. I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of a rebuke from someone, who claims to have seen, but yet the rebuke didn't come across in love. And it cut, but it did not heal and didn't restore. Love has to be the motivation behind every expression of spiritual gifting or ministry, right? Verse 3 shows us that love is the purest form of sacrifice. It's even greater than giving to charity, It's even greater than becoming a martyr for one's personal beliefs. Love goes way beyond any political agenda or any religious campaign. Love goes way beyond that. Verses 5 to 7. I just want to draw your attention as I looked at the amplified version of this. I'll draw your attention to uh, verse 5. It says, love is not conceited. It's not arrogant or inflated with pride. Love is not rude. It's not unmannerly and does not act unbecoming. Uh, Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. And love is not touchy or fretful or resentful, and it takes no account of the evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. And, and to me, the, these, these words speak volumes to me, and we don't have enough time this morning to really dig in, but I would encourage you to do your own personal study on this one chapter alone. But as I read this, I my sense of appreciation for God's love grew and it, it sought me to inquire more into God. Where does this love come from? What is the essence of his love? Or who embodies this love? And I, I would like for us to look at the book of first John chapter four. And I'll pick out just a few verses from there. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John, of course, is at the the tail end of the New Testament. A couple books before the book of Revelation, you'll find it there. 1 John chapter 4. And I'll start at verse 7. And it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. And that one phrase, God is love, takes us into a deeper understanding of who God is, what does he feel or what is his position concerning mankind? What is his position concerning me? What is his con- position concerning my situation? When we read in First Corinthians 13 that God or love is not fretful nor resentful. It takes no account of evil. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. We understand that the situations in our world today do not phase God. He is not surprised. He's not disappointed. He's not taken back by the situations surrounding our world today. And it seems as if the world is just spiraling out of control. Yes, God is grieved. Yes, the Spirit of God is grieved at the the sinful state of man, but God is not taken by surprise. And we understand that the seasons and the times that we live in were already foreknown, foretold by the Lord. And then the next few scripture verses that we're going to read together in 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to take you there in just a minute, we'll understand that God has the remedy, he has the power, and he's also addressed the church and wants to prepare the church for how we ought to deal with the seasons and the times that we are living in. Amen? Verse 15 of 1 John 4 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And here is the phrase again. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. Hallelujah. I'm going to jump down to verse 18. just in the interest of time. It says, there is no fear in love. God does not want the body of Christ today or the church of today to fear. And I know that when we look at this particular phrase, there is no fear in love, we often apply it to, um, I've often applied it to marriage. If you're having marital problems um, in your relationship with your spouse and there are certain things that you are fearful of, I often quote this scripture that perfect love casts out all fear. And that's verse 18 of 1 John chapter 4. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. But in the context of abiding in the love of God or abiding in God himself, we, the church, are comforted and shielded that if we abide in this perfect love, We as a church do not have to be fearful about the situations and circumstances surrounding our world. Yes, persecution is coming. Yes, persecution is here. Yes, the church is being challenged and the word of God is being challenged on every front. Yet, perfect love in God casts out all fear. Fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love mm. that word being made perfect refers to even the creative process as to how god has shown us through through creation when he perfects a child in the womb for those of you who may have some medical training or mothers that are on the line this morning you know that that child develops within the womb it goes through stages it goes through trimesters and and that perfection process so that the eyes the ears the limbs and the joints and the veins and all the muscles the skeletal structure of that child is being developed over time so is that love being perfected in us And we need to allow the love of God, the strength of God, the presence of God. We need to cultivate that, build it, sow into it so that it continues to be perfected on the inside of us like something growing into health and strength. Amen. Um, Let's look at one more scripture um, in 1 John chapter 5. It's the next chapter over. And I want to look at uh, verses 3 to 5. And this is where we have the victory through Christ by abiding in the love of God. 1 John chapter 5 verses 3 to 5. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep. His commandments. There are some people that will say. That all those ten commandments. That's old school. That's for a previous society. That's for another age. Another era. We are far beyond that. We've progressed beyond the Old Testament. We've progressed beyond all of that. Um, I assure you that God's word is eternal. And that those very same commandments. That were given not just in. The, the Ten Commandments, but throughout Old Testament and New Testament, even the, the greater commands that Jesus gave in the New Testament, which are centered on love. He said that we ought to keep his commandments if we love God. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God, I'm in verse four. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This one verse in uh, verse 4 of 1 John 5 whatever is born of God overcomes the world positions us in a place of uh, power and dominance. As it pertains to authority, we don't have to fear as to whether the world will overcome us or whether the world will overcome the church. Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Who is the church? The institution? The denomination? Or is it you, the believer? We represent the church and abiding in God's love, keeping his commandments, being faithful to God ensures God's protection, even in the midst of persecution. Even in the midst of test and trial. Now, the threat is real. You may lose your job. You may, you may be uh, ridiculed in public. People may try to 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 launch legal attack against you, the body of Christ. But do not fear. Perfect love casts out all fear for in God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And just to finish that verse, it says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. Um, This is the foundation. To me, um, these three scriptures, it gives us the foundation. It gives us our footing. It gives us our foothold. We are in this world, but not of it. We are called to love sinners. We are called to, yes, proclaim the gospel. We're not called to judge, but we are called to preach the word of God. We are called to represent God in every, every area of society that we occupy. But we need to also position ourselves under the umbrella of love. For in that salvation comes, in that repentance comes, in that our own encouragement and our own betterment in our spiritual growth also comes when we abide in the love of God. I listened to the testimonies, the two testimonies that were given um, right before we, we started. The first testimony was about the favor of God. We experienced the favor of God constantly because of God's love. And we also uh, I also listened to to the mother who who talked about Reverend Williams as she prayed for those at the altar and ministered with care. It is that same grace that God has given to us and that same love that he showered upon us. That's how he wants us to minister to others. Because that love is more powerful and those that gesture that action that motivating spirit of love is more powerful than any prophecy that we could give than any pentecostal experience that we can have in church i believe that the god is shifting and moving the position of the church to be at the forefront now where we can respond in love The world will never really respect our Pentecostal power unless they have witnessed and experienced and been touched by the love of God through us. Amen. Amen. And um, I want to encourage you today. that Whatever you're going through, understand this, that God's love for you gives you the favor of. Gives you the grace to overcome any challenge in your life. And that same love, he will use you to be a testament and a a representative in the world today to win somebody else to him. You have the power, the authority because you abide in the love of God. These are the few words I want to leave with you today just to be an encouragement for your day. And I pray that God use you to be his instrument of love in the world today. God bless you. I hope this morning's devotion actually ministered to you guys um, wherever you are in your lives and whatever you feel God is calling you to do. I would love to continue the conversation. Uh, Feel free to go over to our Facebook page and um, under this post, post your comments about how abiding in the love of God has freed you. Uh, perhaps from mindsets or opinions of others um, that may have kept you imprisoned or how abiding in God's love has shown you the difference between what the world calls love and what we know to be true love. I look forward to your comments and I look forward to sharing more episodes with you right here at Conversations with Selwyn. We'll see you next time. What's with sound.